Welcome back to Slam Presents Hoop Ties with your boy, Mike Smith. I am the one and only. On today's show, we have a very, very special guest, Brady Hawk, Miami Heat's lead writer from Five Reasons Sports. But first and foremost, I want to talk about a lot of talks about LeBron James and what he's potentially going to do. Is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? I don't think LeBron James is going to retire. Let's get that out the way. I think he has two more years on his contract that he signed um, prior to the season. It was a two-year, $90 million deal. But I kind of understand LeBron James's frustration, and then people got to understand that LeBron James is not going to play forever. <laughs> He's 38 years old. We're starting to see like I'm not going to say father time because from a game standpoint, his game is still there. His game has always been there. But over the course of his Lakers career, the father time part has, has been coming with the nagging injuries that he has basically been happening with him since he's been with the Los Angeles Lakers for what I think it's six years. So that's when we're seeing what, for a body standpoint, and a mental standpoint, it's just like, yo, he came out and said, I can still play at a high level. I'm still better than 90 to 95% of the league itself. And people are talking about, okay, that's 45. He said he's a top 45 player. He was being humble and basically just talking about, you know, a 90 and 95%. He was just throwing out a number. LeBron James, arguably, when he's healthy, is still a top 10 player in the game and then to be honest it's probably in that seven to ten range we just saw a guy come off uh, a losing effort in what was a game four with the los angeles lakers against the denver nuggets where he dropped you know almost a 40 point triple double so the talent in the game is still there but the problem is you know he probably felt just a little frustrated and just kind of like i don't know what i want to do because the los angeles lakers had a golden opportunity and lebron james knew that and that's the reason why he didn't get the foot surgery. That's the reason why he played through an injury. That's the reason why, like the Los Angeles Lakers, even though overall their season was a success, when we talk about having a zero point two chance to make the the playoffs, when after they started two and ten and all the hurdles and all the adversity that they went to and getting on new players and things of that nature, but it was it was a success. But in LeBron James' eyes, because he's one of those players like a Michael Jordan, like a Kobe even like, a, you know, Stephen Curry as well. He's one of those players that feels like, yo, if I didn't go to the finals at least, or if I didn't win the finals, to me, it's a failure. So that's where I, I sense like the frustration for LeBron James because his body was on the line. He was doing everything he was supposed to do. And also he looked at this season where he kind of smelled blood. The reason why they went and was able to go all the way to the Western Conference Finals and beat the, the defending champs and stuff like that. But they unfortunately lost to a better team in the Denver Nuggets and a young Denver team that's never really, you know, just just went to their first ever finals appearance, you know. So he smelled blood and this was a golden opportunity for him to get his fifth championship. And we don't know how many opportunities LeBron James is going to have going forward in the future. So that's where the frustration comes. That's when the talk of like retirement comes. That's where the talk about like mentally like, yo, do I want to do this anymore? So I'm not going to say I feel for LeBron, but I understand his, his standpoint of how he feels when it comes to like his frustration. But do I think that he's going to retire? No, I do not think he's going to retire. No, I do not think he's going to leave the game. I feel like, he still has another few years of playing at a high level. Um, probably 
another year playing at elite level when we talk about a top 10 player in the game, but probably afterwards, if the Los Angeles Lakers can kind of figure out what they want to do going forward for this team, because they have a great, they have a great squad. They can run it back. But the problem is Anthony Davis, I don't believe can be a consistent number one option for his like scoring standpoint. He can be the best player on your team, but from a scoring standpoint for say here, take me to the promised land. That's not Anthony Davis. LeBron James at this age, he can't do that every single game in the playoffs. And to be honest, he doesn't need to do it in the regular season as well. So it's just like you have to find a player who can kind of carry on that mantle of being the number one scoring option in the regular season and also being a number one half-court threat in the postseason as well. Their team is fine. They have the shooters. They have the defensive specialists. But you still need another guy that can really – allow LeBron James to kind of play the secondary playmaker on the team and also kind of be the third option during the regular season. And then in the playoffs, if you need him to be, if he's healthy enough, you know, in key games and key moments and key series, he can still be that, that dude and be that guy, or he can split the time being that guy with for Anthony Davis and another elite option. People are throwing out names with Kyrie Irving. People are throwing out names with Trey Young. People are throwing out names with like, are they going to resign D'Angelo Russell? I don't know what they're going to do, but all I know is I've been saying it for several years. LeBron James needs a truly elite shot creator where when it's money time, where it's closing time, where he feels like he can trust. The last time he had that was Kyrie Irving. That's why Kyrie Irving's name to Los Angeles Lakers keeps being mentioned. The last time he had that also was Dwayne Wade. He needs somebody of that caliber and that elk if he wants to go out and possibly win another championship because, unfortunately, he can't do it every single day and night anymore in the regular season and also in the playoffs. It's too hard to rely on a guy at this at, at his age to do that, and we know about Anthony Davis and his inconsistency at times. So that's just what my take on LeBron James. That's what I, and my, my take on the Los Angeles Lakers. Still a hell of a season, still a hell of a – a run, and I expect LeBron James to be in training camp because we know LeBron James is not going to retire without a, a farewell tour. And also he's mentioned that he wants to plan on playing with his son someday. And I, I as long as his son is going to USC and has the possibility of being a one-and-done um, potential draftee coming forward, I feel like we still got at least two years of LeBron James. But coming up, we have... Brady Hawk, once again, for Five Reasons Sports, the lead Miami Heat writer for Five Reasons Sports. We're talking about the way away. We're talking about Jimmy Butler. We're talking about Nikola Jokic. And we're also talking about LeBron James. What's that the best version of LeBron James with the Miami Heat? Coming up next. All right, we're back. Have a very, very special guest, Brady Hawk, lead Miami Heat writer from Five Reason Sports. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, where are you from? I'm from down here, Miami. So uh, Miami, three hundred five. Yes. Yeah, so, well, actually, I'm a liar. I, I'm from uh, Fort Lauderdale, but we just categorize everything as Miami for everybody else. It feels like. So, did you grow up a Miami Heat fan? I'm assuming. Yes, yes, yes. So, just grew up. Uh, I, I'm younger, so <laughs> I grew up in the the big three days, which everybody hates to hear. That that's my young side of things. So. Uh, uh, Younger, yeah. how, how old are you? I'm 19. Oh shoot, you you yeah. super young. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, so you grew sir. up in the, oh that's crazy. You grew up in the uh, the big three era. Talk to me about the big three era. Uh, 
I mean, man, it started when I was seven. <laughs> so that, that <laughs> puts a little perspective as a, as a young yeah. kid being able to watch that uh, mm-hmm. era of basketball that way they just ran everything. So it was uh, mm-hmm. uh big Dwayne Wade fan, obviously growing up and obviously yeah. the runs that they went on. So being able to cover now the heat in general is obviously uh, pretty cool. Talk about the excitement during that time and just that run with LeBron James coming down there, Chris Bosh coming down there and teaming up with Dwayne Wade. It was a lot of energy, a lot of negative vibes from across the media outside of Miami. But how was it like just being down there and experience like those three guys playing together? I mean, it felt like everybody down here was in a bubble because it felt like everybody mm-hmm. else was hating that team. Like they, yeah. There's nothing like that. We'll never probably see anything like that again. Just the, the amount of pressure on a team, the amount of hatred it felt like against the team and everything along those lines. But when you were a fan of that team, uh, being able to watch the way they played every night, because it's not like now, like, you know, when we watch these teams and regular season feels meaningless and the people talk about the playoffs being the real season, like there yeah. was press, regular season pressure on that team. So being able mm-hmm. to like, Tuesday nights, it didn't matter what team they were playing. It was it was a show. So it was like it, it was it was just fun to watch in general being down here. Yeah, I think it was to me arguably the greatest show that the league has probably seen with Dwayne Wade and prom LeBron James going down to South Beach. And to me, that was the best version of LeBron James. I feel like he was just uh-huh. maxed out. When we talk about maxed out, I'm talking about like a hundred in all categories: <laughs> defense, scoring, like rebounding everything like shot making ability and it was just kind of like it was very exciting but as you said LeBron James also came a villain down there with the Miami Heat and it was just kind of like nationally it just felt like everybody was against the Miami Heat I'm a Miami Heat fan if I had to pick a team that would be Miami Heat because I grew up a Dwayne Wade fan I'm from St. Louis Missouri so I don't really have like a a team sort of say but Dwayne Wade was my favorite player of all time so just growing up I kind of like looked up to Dwayne Wade and stuff like that but um I want to talk about this unusual run of this Miami Heat team that's with Jimmy Butler, with Bam Adebayo. Talk with me, tell, start with like the Miami Heat playing the Milwaukee Bucks and then go to like the Knicks and then go to like um, this current matchup. Like give me the run of what kind of just happened because I know you've been covering the Miami Heat since, you know, the playoffs started and stuff like that and the regular season. So talk to me about their run so far in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, well, I'll set the stage and say that everything that we've learned in the regular season was completely thrown out the window pretty much after that Chicago game. Like, everything that we knew about this team and we felt like everybody could kind of put a pin on them, everything's kind of turned on its head in a little bit. So you see the way they played in that play-in game. They lose Mm -hmm. the Hawks. They head into Chicago game where they're down with three minutes left. They're playing – they were down a good amount with seven minutes left. They make a big comeback. Max Struess has a big game. Jimmy plays big down the stretch, and all of a sudden they're an eight seed heading into Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. And when I say everything turned on its head, you're talking about a team was 27th in the league in three-point shooting. You're talking about where their role players just were, were not playing at the level that you wanted them to. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a game one where they come out and they kind of punch Milwaukee in the mouth, and then they lose Tyler Hero. And it's like, yeah. what do you do now? And it's like, you obviously mm-hmm. have this play style you're already playing, and then now you lose your, your, one of your best all-around scorers and. Uh, they just have blown up from there, man. Like they, they, it was talked about that they just pretty much took advantage of the the Giannis-less Bucks, and then all of a sudden Giannis comes back, and they're still able to do this. I thought that in that Milwaukee series, uh, the usage of Jimmy Butler, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but the usage of him across his playoffs has been the biggest thing to me, just because in that Milwaukee yeah. series, uh, it was pretty much just Jimmy's going to do Jimmy things on ball, and he's just going to go absolutely nuclear, and he's going to go obviously the 56 point game in Game Four, but everything mm-hmm. was revolving around him. 
And the Bucs obviously didn't make too many adjustments to kind of go against him. They didn't throw any doubles at him, surprisingly, in that series. So he was just going one-on-one, and he was doing his thing. And obviously walked them into to that big game five kind of game ceiling buckets put into overtime, and they ended up moving on. And then you see the Knicks series where now it's talked about, well, the Knicks, they're tough. Like, they, they play tough. They're going to outfit. They're going to use their physicality against you. So what did he do? They somehow out-toughed the New York Knicks in that series, yeah. and they play a certain style. As much as I talked about Jimmy going that one-on-one range in the Milwaukee series, the Knicks series, as we saw, they all they did was throw doubles at Jimmy. So you didn't see the big-time 50-point performances. You saw him mm-hmm. taking over games with his passing, just waiting for the double, just slowly making these reads. Uh, I just feel like he's had total control over this playoff run so far, and they obviously end up uh, – Bam had some big games toward the end of that series. Uh, that yeah, I thought Kyle. Was important. Uh, yeah, also, Kyle Lowry, too. Correct. Correct. They're, they're role players, and that's the other storyline. As I mentioned, the role yeah. players in the regular season, it's like you go down that list, every one of those players has had a moment. Like they've had a couple moments at that. Uh, and then now you see they enter the Eastern Conference Finals. They've just, the, the role player, the shooting, the shooting tailed off in the Knicks series. It raised back mm-hmm. up, back to the level that they shot in the Bucks series in the Celtics, in the Celtics run. Uh, and it's just back to them slow playing it. They're just getting enough from everybody. I think they played a good defensive style. As much as I'm talking Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. We should be talking about playoff smoke because that's a guy that's just put these game plans from series to series, and it feels like he's outcoached every team he's played. Uh, yeah. And and now they sit up 3-1 in the Easter Conference Finals, and it, it it just doesn't feel like you could put your finger on one thing. It feels like there's just so many elements to it. Yeah, it's it's a uh, unprecedented run. That's, that's, that's the mm-hmm. best way I can describe it. It's just like it's crazy. This is probably the greatest run we're probably going to see from an eighth seed, and they have a chance to you know go on to do – even more phenomenal things, especially when you talked about the the first round matchup with the the Bucks. I felt like that was the perfect matchup. I would I would have been a little nervous if they would have played the Boston Celtics, even though they're kind of they're playing the Boston Celtics right now and they're beating the ass pretty much. Um, but just their history with going up against Giannis Antetokounmpo, it feels like they're the only team that really matches up well with Giannis Antetokounmpo. You got Bam, you got you know they they play four in for us like you know stacking the paint, you know having one foot in the lane and things of that nature. And, you know, we know Giannis likes to drive, so that was very impressive. And you talked about the Knicks. How are you going to out-tough the Knicks? But we know heat culture is all about toughness. And I kept – I mentioned when you said about the New York Knicks, I mentioned Kyle Lard because even though Jalen Brunson had a phenomenal series, it was a couple of those early games where Jalen Brunson got outplayed by Kyle Lard and also Gabe Vincent. I felt like uh-huh. that was kind of like the catalyst to them going on and preparing – propelling to win that series. And then, like you said, the the Boston series is going on right now, but, you know, no team has ever came back down <laughs> 03 before – 03. So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about, like, a potential finals matchup coming up. But I want to ask you, what does this ring – potentially potential ring if Jimmy Butler goes out and maybe he wins a championship? What would this ring do for Jimmy Butler's legacy? Man, it, it, this would be one of the best – individual runs that we've seen in this league I, I mean there's certain guys I know we can point to, to Dirk uh, on that one run we there's certain guys I know we can yeah. go down the list but it's like 2011 yep. but but these guys weren't an eight seed so it's yeah. like you're taking this roster being an eight seed and going through an absolute plethora of teams like you, they're everything if you put on your tv throughout the season and talked about the Easter Conference it's the Milwaukee Bucks and it's the Boston Celtics <laughs> and you ran both through both of those on the way and if the yeah. if the, in this potential ring that you're talking about you're also taking out the best team in the, in the Western Conference and the team that's everybody's talking about and the guy that was running for MVP. So this isn't yeah. one of those things where you're dodging bullets on the way and you're just kind of sliding yeah. through. So like they're they're confronting uh, 
confrontation and they're just they're, they just mm-hmm. keep bullying these teams so for jimmy uh i mean they, if he gets a ring like he's he has the enough accolades he has the uh even though i don't feel like he's covered nationally to the degree he probably should have because it's it, off the court just he has the personality of like yeah mm-hmm. he talked about probably more than he is and yeah. talk about when he gets to this point in the season he is absolutely nuclear and then you add a ring on and add a championship to his legacy that's going to be tough to argue against, especially with the, this storyline. This is one of those, if they could pull it off in this, in this scenario we're talking about, is like, uh, like a storyline that you put, see in a documentary type thing. Like if, movie, like, movies, movie, movies getting made, definitely. For uh, sure. So it would be big for him. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, Brady. I feel like this run is, if he, if he goes out and win a championship, I mean, it's going to be hard to deny Jimmy, but I think top 50 player of all time, first battle Hall of Fame, automatically. We talk about, the accolades you said, like, oh, some people are going to talk about, oh, he doesn't have that much accolades. Let me break it down. Five all-NBA selections, five defensive all-NBA selections. Also, mm-hmm. he won a gold medal in 2016. If he wins a championship, I don't see how you could deny, like, top 50 player of all time. And also, like I said, it just gets, like, very, very serious because he's one of the, the greatest playoff risers this league has ever seen. So yeah. it's you add all that and you win a championship, first battle Hall of Fame, how can you deny that? So I want to ask you, though, other than this run that we're seeing right now, this finals run or potential playoff run is the best run since who, would you say? Who? I mean, would it be Dirk? Would that be the run that when they, when they kind of went on that run? And, yeah. and we, were talk, we started out this, this show talking about that, that big three run, and, and they yeah. ran into that wall in the finals, obviously, uh, behind Dirk. So I think that would kind of be the one comparison I could give. I, I mean, I don't. I, like I said, I'm 19 yeah. years old, so I can't go back in the day. Probably like no, no, I respect it. Yeah, yeah. But that feels like the. But like I said, it's just that's what makes this so different is because it's it, it's an eight seed. Like this is a playing yeah. team that made this run that was three minutes from not making the playoffs. So it's mm-hmm. it, it just feels like it's different than anything you can even compare it to. Yeah, I would say Kawhi's run was pretty, was pretty special uh, when he went to the Toronto Raptors and stuff like that. But they had a good team. It was kind of like you dropped yeah. off Kawhi Leonard, and it was just kind of like, all right, they had a championship team. And Martin Rosen and, and Kyle Lowry couldn't get it done together. So they got Kawhi, upgraded, boom, went on that crazy run. And then they beat the Golden State Warriors. Even sometimes people are going to say, like, well, Kevin Durant didn't play. Mm-hmm. This is still the Golden State Warriors. Um, also, like you said, Dirk Nowitzki, 2011, was very phenomenal. Dirk beat the, the young KD um, in OKC Warriors. He beat the Los Angeles Lakers team that was coming off a title as well. So he beat some Tanini, beat the a prime. I don't know. It's, it's tough because yeah. I look at Dirk Nowitzki and he beat a prime like LeBron. I just said he was the best version, best LeBron version I've ever seen was down in Miami. So he beat that version of LeBron and also Dwayne Wade, who will, most people would say after 2000, 2011 probably was the final like true peak of Dwayne Wade. Probably had another, you know, 2012 maybe, but like 2011 was like peak prime Dwayne Wade. And if they would have won that series, Dwayne Wade would have been right. finals MVP. So yeah. it's it's tough, but I, I I definitely agree with you. I'm gonna say the 2011. I'm also gonna say Kawhi Leonard's run was very phenomenal, very special. But let's talk about a potential finals matchup between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. What are some key? What are your key takeaways of what the Miami Heat would have to do to be successful against the Denver Nuggets? So it's interesting because they there's always in all these series we've seen they've taken something away and I'll I'll give an example in the Knicks series because they have they basically said we're going to cut off the head of the snake in Brunson and we're going to help down and we're going to make you beat us from three because the Knicks did not shoot well from three overall and they just kept making them shoot pick the right guys to shoot 
I don't know if you can do that as much against the Nuggets because they have a guy yeah. it, as a hub in Nikola Jokic that there's there's just nothing we've seen like him that can make the reads and make you pay in other ways that if you help down off the wrong guy, he's going to make that pass and you're, he's going to make you pay so you can't fully help down. So then now you have to make the decision, do you cut off Jokic? Do you cut off the role players' three-point shooting? And you have to make that mm-hmm. decision. Uh, so it'll be interesting the way to go about it. And you mentioned before you, you gave the comparison kind of the the against Giannis and how they kind of went about it. They built a wall. Like that was the the thing that Miami came up with all of a sudden was building the wall against Giannis. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like at previously when they've done it, they had the personnel for it. This year, people were saying they didn't have it because they just mm-hmm. they've had went all season without a power forward. They finally had up picking up Kevin Love. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think a, a, a decent size adjustment that they can make is it sounds crazy, but they've done it a lot is like putting Kevin Love type on Jokic and just having Bam be kind of the helper wise and then freely just kind of making his move. They'll probably put him on Gordon uh, and mm-hmm. let him move around and kind of just disrupt things. But there's going to have to be wrinkles in that way. I'm not totally worried about the offense for Miami, it, it seems, because uh, if there's small enough defenders on the floor, Jimmy's going to get the switch and he's going to find a, a way to kind of make them pay. Uh, and they don't have as as many things as Nikola Jokic is. He's not an elite rim protector, rim protector which is the one yeah. thing that could throw off Jimmy in that range. When he has like those smaller defenders and he gets to the basket, he has to worry about kind of, even in this Boston series. It's like, where's Rob Williams at? Where's he going to help over from? Or mm-hmm. in the finals against LA in the bubble, it was where's Anthony Davis at? In this scenario, he, he has less to worry about offensively. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. But the, the the real hard part is they've, for some reason, like I started here saying, they shot, they were the 27th worst three point shooting team in the regular season. You see that kind of flip on its head in this playoff run. But you see the yeah, way the Nuggets crazy. are playing and the way they're shooting. It's like, can you match them from three? It feels like that's the question a lot of times in the game of basketball right now. It's like, who could shoot better from three? But that feels like it more than anything with the way that team's playing right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. But also, I feel like it's, it's kind of refreshing. We're, we're getting real, potentially, we're going to get real hoops in this NBA's finals with the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat. Because I feel yeah. like, even though, like you said, the Miami Heat, 27 in the regular season for the three point line and things of that nature for his field goal percentage wise. But also look at the Denver Nuggets. I feel like both the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat kind of play the game the right way because they just don't only score on the outside. They can score in the mid-range. They can score in the post. And it's going to be very refreshing to see, like, just not a team that's playing that analytic-style ball of just slashing, slashing, three-point only because we know Nikola Jokic, he can get in the post. (laughs) He can score in a variety of ways. You know, Jamal Murray can come off a a pick-and-roll, hit you at the second level on the the basketball court, hit a jump shot. So it's going to be very, very interesting. And we know what Jimmy Butler does as well. Jimmy Butler, he gets to his spots. And, you know, Uh and even Bam Adebayo, he gets to his spots as well. But it's it's interesting you said that putting Kevin Love on Nikola Jokic and kind of having Bam Rome, I feel like the Los Angeles Lakers, even though they lost the series, I felt like the Los Angeles Lakers kind of gave you a, a little defensive formula of what you can do with the Denver Nuggets. They kind of right. did what you, what you were talking about, um, potentially what they can do with Kevin Love. They did that with Rui Hachimura, and then they had Anthony Davis kind of roaming the basket. I don't know right. if Kevin Love is going to be the guy to, to do it. Maybe, you know, Caleb Martin, maybe. You know, he's a little small, but I feel like athletic-wise, he can kind of maybe do some things, and then you let Bam roam. But that is an excellent strategy that you talk about. Um, but talk to me about Jamal Murray, though. We spent a lot of time talking about Nicole Jokic, but talk to me about Jamal Murray, because this is a guy that just came off averaging 32 points in the Western Conference Finals and didn't even win the little stupid-ass trophy that they got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk, talk to me about Jamal Murray. How can the, what are some things that the Miami here are going to have to do to you know, slow him down? 
So it's, the, the interesting part about I'd mentioned Jimmy the way they've changed things offensively throughout this run, but the thing they've done the most is changed them around defensively. Like they started out in the Milwaukee series, he was guarding a lot of Drew. He was just going to muck up their their actions with Drew and Giannis and all those pick and rolls. You move on to the the Knicks series, they start out with him on Brunson. Immediately, like game two ish, they they change it. They say we're going to put Jimmy on on RJ Barrett. And we're going to have him help off and kind of wreck things off ball. Uh, and then you look at this series, they're back to putting him on ball and Jalen Brown and Tatum. The question is in the Nuggets series. Does Jimmy Butler guard Jamal Murray, uh, or did they use him as that off-ball roamer? And I kind of think, mm -hmm. I lean in the direction of him guarding Jamal Murray. So even mm -hmm. if I go through the matchups down the line, like if we say Love on Jokic, and we say Bam on Gordon, Max Struess on Porter, and then the question is, do you switch Gabe Vincent and Jimmy? And I think Gabe probably guards Pope in this scenario, and Jimmy will stick uh, Jamal Murray. But it, it, it's an interesting dynamic here because uh, – one of the best things on Jimmy, we can talk about Jimmy on ball defensively and all things, but there's nothing better than uh, than Jimmy off ball defensively. We know what he can do when he hits yeah. passing lanes. He can read stuff mm -hmm. like a free safety. Uh, yep. He's just so good in that department, but I don't think you have another option. I think they can move things around, but I just feel like Jamal Murray kind of, you have to be physical with him, it feels like, just because you mentioned Jimmy getting to his spots. When Jamal Murray gets to his spots, man, he can get into a big time rhythm. Like if he goes, yeah. starts getting comfortable with that pull up and everything Thanks else, starts, it, it just takes over. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they throw in. Like I said, I keep mentioning Jimmy, but this feels like a Spo thing. Like putting Spo in this scenario where you mentioned this is going to be real hoops. Like this is an absolute basketball series that we would be potentially be watching. Uh, and Spo would just kind of be in a candy store. Like he he would just be sitting there loving this because he loves those moments of being able to kind of just getting in the film room type thing. So uh, Jamal Murray is going to be a big thing because much as we talk about Tyler being out and I don't know if we should expect him in the finals, He's the kind of guy that could match that in a scenario because yeah. the, the Heat need that extra pull-up guy, and I feel like I've been mm -hmm. saying that every series, and somehow they keep grinding out series without that yeah, guy. It's, it's tough. But matching on paper, Tyler would be able to kind of match the pull-up sense. Uh, so we'll see mm -hmm. how they go about it. But defensively, it feels like a lot of Jimmy on Murray. Yeah, it's so crazy because I, I don't think Tyler Hero is going to play this series, and then people were talking about, well, even if he does come back, like who's what minutes he's going to take and like who yeah. he's going to replace and stuff like that. It's Tyler. like. They're, the Miami Heat are a better team with Tyler Hero because, like you said, like regardless of what they're doing right now, they're playing very phenomenal. But if you add Tyler Hero, that's another weapon. That's another shot creator. The a legitimate argument you made that he's probably the best shot creator. We just talk about a pure scoring standpoint on the Miami Heat, and we know what Jimmy know. Butler is capable of. But it's going to be very interesting. I think the matchups, we talked about a lot of the matchups. I think the matchups of who's going to really kind of propel in this, this series and win this series it's probably the role players versus Denver and the role player, uh. players versus the, the Miami Heat. The role players in Miami Heat have basically been the reason, outside of Jimmy Butler going nuclear, have been the reason why this run has happened. Gabe Vincent is playing phenomenal. We had um, Duncan, who was playing terrible all, all year long. He's stepping up. He's playing phenomenal. You know, I got Kevin Love, a guy that people thought was kind of like, you know, just washed and and done, mm -hmm. he stepped up. So I think which set of role players is going to excel in this series is going to like be kind of like really the key, um, I would say, for going forward. And you, you mentioned a lot of the role players, and the guy that feels like he's, he's headlining a lot of that is Caleb Martin. The guy has yeah. absolutely emerged throughout this season, but specifically in this, this playoff run in this series right now. Uh, you mentioned Jamal Murray averaging 32 and getting the Western Conference MVP. Yeah, Caleb Martin, 19. <laughs> Caleb Martin, if he has a big game in him in this game, in yeah. this next game, he could he could be in the running. It feels like that's how important he's been in this series. Like he is 
Uh, I don't know what he's at now, but I know before this game four, he was averaging 19 points per game in this series. And it's like, yeah. uh, he's doing it efficiently. Even in game four, he was at 14 mm-hmm. points on six of six shooting in the first half. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, the, that's why I mentioned before the battle of the three point shooting. Cause that feels like mm-hmm. the main role player kind of thing. It's just, it's kind of, yeah, definitely. but, mm-hmm. uh, Caleb's going to be important. Like I said, because of the way that he's been kind of manipulating the game, he's been for some reason hitting all just going crazy from three. If you react corner shots. Ways, He's the yep. guy you're helping off of if for any team you're playing. He's recognized that every day. He says, I'm the guy you're going to help off of. So he keeps making the pay. And then when they shoot out off a closeout, he's getting to the basket. And he's doing crazy moves around the rim. And it's like, okay, what do you do with this guy now? If you're if this is the guy I'm helping off of. Uh, but then if you mentioned the shooters, like Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, if you can get them going, they, they have to manipulate certain things. If they can move Jokic around in, in, in the drop and see if they have to start playing at the level or start playing deep, they're not going to be able to play that deep drop if Duncan Robinson's being spammed off handoffs every two seconds, yeah. which they've been relying mm-hmm. on really heavily in this playoff run, obviously, because Tyler was, we keep mentioning Tyler, but he was such a big part of their offense that they had to kind of reshape this offense. They had to figure yeah. out different ways to get to certain triggers. Uh, and Duncan handoffs, it feels like we're back in 2020. They've relied on that. And then uh, you hit on Kyle Lowry earlier. I think he's going to be important, yeah. especially this last game that we, in game four, Gabe Vincent rolled his ankle at the end of the game. We'll see what his status is. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, they're just going to need a lot of these role players to step up. And I know the Nuggets have, you know, they played, I feels like, less guys than Miami has rotationally. They have to find a way to outmatch them. Because even the Knicks series, we went into that series saying, well, the Knicks' advantage is the physicality. It's also the bench points. And every one of those games, Miami came out and just washed them off the bench. And you mentioned Kyle. And it was everybody down the line. They They just kept being able to beat them in that range. So if Miami can do that, obviously things look different in this matchup. And I think one, I, I know a lot of people are going to pick the Denver Nuggets to win the finals matchup because a lot of people feel like talent-wise, you know, they have so much talent. They have a more talented team than the Miami Heat. Like, we're not going to front and pretend like that's not the reality of the situation. But I think what people are underestimating when it comes to Miami Heat that they're going to have over the Denver Nuggets, that's experience. They've been to the finals before. They have a, sure. a Hall of Fame coach, arguably the best coach in the game. It's probably not even arguably, if you want to be honest. And then uh-huh. they have players that have done it at the highest level. When we talk about one up against, you know, LeBron James when he was still, you know, probably the last year of his prime in 2020. Anthony Davis was probably the best version we've seen Anthony Davis in 2020 in that bubble. So they've they kind of done it. So it's going to be very interesting to see, like, if the nervousness of the Denver Nuggets kind of, like, catches up to them. Because I feel like if you're nervous, if you're – you know, you miss one game because that's all it takes. Like, it takes, like, losing one game or losing one game at home or losing, like, a yeah. game you're supposed to win, and then that can really dictate the series going forward with the Miami Heat. Um, but for this next segment, it's called the Truth Teller segment, Brady, and basically I'm going to read you a tweet from he or she, and then you're going to decide if this person's a truth teller or not. Sounds good? Got you. All right. First one, if Jimmy Butler can win us a ring, this will go down as the most memorable NBA championship in Miami Heat history. This is from Shardy the God. I, I believe so. I mean, the first one is just so bittersweet just because that 06 one and the, and the fact that no, it's similar because they count, that team was counted out as well. Counted like, out, they, yeah. They did not have a shot. And then they have a young Dwayne Wade emerging and ends up and the rest is history. Uh, but I don't know. This is right there. Like this, it, it, the fact of yeah. the sto- the storyline that we talked about at the beginning, and the fact of them having this comeback season, the fact that it's uh, kind of resurrecting Jimmy Butler's whole era here because he's put so much on the line this entire era of playing in a Miami Heat jersey and be able to mm-hmm. capitalize on that. Uh, from a fan base perspective, 
nobody thought they'd be here. And I think it, it would be appreciated in that way with, if he was able to capitalize. It would definitely make things more sweeter. I was, you know, 2000, was it 2006? That championship with the yeah. Miami, that was the first ever championship. And Dwayne Wade, like you say, was 23 years old, third year in the league. And they were down 0-2. And then he went basically Michael Jordan. That was yeah. like one of the craziest, craziest like runs we have seen in NBA Finals history. So that was very special. And I think what made it more special was because Shaq was essentially a role player during mm-hmm. that series. Like people talk about like, oh, he had Shaquille in it. Shaq wasn't the Shaq in LA <laughs> a few years ago. He was really a role player in that series. They kind of like really cut off you know, Shaquille O'Neal's um, performance and his dominance during that series. But it's tough because if they go out and win, I feel you. But at the same time, I look at like 2013 with the San Antonio Spurs and like them being down. I remember, I, I, I remember me being in my room, it was down 3-2. And before the situation happened, like I had tears rolling down my eyes. <laughs> I was crying because I was like, damn, like, like LeBron James is really about to lose again. Like Dwayne Wade is really about to lose again. I was like so like angry. Uh-huh. And then I remember it happened. And I'm like, right. oh shit, like this is crazy. And then they went on and won game seven. And to me, arguably, people talk about 2016 LeBron James. But LeBron James arguably probably played in like, to me personally, three of like the craziest finals <laughs> this league has ever seen. Um, and uh-huh. he's won, won those finals. But that's a different... Uh, take for that's it, a big argument for another way, day. It might depend on the way this ends as well. We can't judge it yeah. yet because it depends that's on how true. this finals goes. Because if Jimmy has like an incredible finals run and he has some big games in there, then we probably look at this differently. So we have to see how it yeah. wraps up as well. Probably De- definitely. Next one from Dante. Miami Heat having a historic postseason run makes me think how wild of a non-factor Tyler Hero is. They definitely trade that man during the offseason. Truth teller or not? Uh. I mean, I, I'm not against the fact of trading him if for the right piece. Like, he's not an untradeable guy at this point. Yeah. But I, I, the thing is, is, is Tyler ends up getting a lot of the brunt of things, it feels like, over time. No yeah. matter who the guy was that is out on this run, and they, if they go on this run and somebody specifically is out, that guy was going to be thrown in the trade machine immediately throughout the prayer run. Like, that's the way this was going to go. It just hurts because you see them switching up the play style and the way things are going and the fact that... Uh, they end up doing it without him. It's just, it just, it hurts in that area. But like, it, it's, it's not crazy to say that he gets traded in the off season if the right guy. Like, you know, we're gonna hear about the Damian Lillards every single off season. You know, we're gonna hear about the same guys that are out there being thrown around in the market. Uh, yeah. and Tyler Hero is their most interesting trade piece because they're not Bam Adebayo is not going anywhere. So no. the one guy they can throw around there is Tyler Hero. So it's not crazy to say. But I don't. I, I wish we could save that conversation for the off season. It's a lot. That that we have a long time to discuss that. It's it's crazy though because even though I feel like even if they win the finals, I still think they need to make moves. That's mm-hmm. is that is that crazy? To, is that crazy to think about? It, it it's not crazy. I mean, this everybody knows the term "run it back" down here because they've done it a couple times and it hasn't worked out. And we discussed yeah. it all season because they ran this yeah. team back and you see the way that they landed. But then all of a sudden, this run I don't know if that changes anything. I think they still need to do things. The only difference is I'll I'll mention is if they win a ring. I think that the, you re-sign a lot of the guys that maybe you're talking about that you're not re-signing. Like the Max Struess and Gabe Vincent's of the world that you're saying we might have to re-sign yeah. one, I think you bring both back. Like that's okay. the thing that, that changes. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely, you, need, you still need, just because if you win a championship in this scenario, I, I don't think you just live with it. I think they're, Jimmy Butler doesn't just live, he's not complacent. He's going to say, I want yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like what you said about Bam is, needs to be talked about more because I feel like 
before this postseason run, you you mentioned Tyler Hero. It's like, oh, you know, the right piece come along. At first, in the you know previous offseason, people were like, no, Bam is untouchable, things of that nature. But then this season happened. It was kind of like, well, has Bam hasn't really taken that that leap that most people expected. But this postseason run, he's looking like we're starting to see like his ultimate potential, what he can be. And people don't talk about the responsibilities that he has on. People talk about Jimmy Butler, but the responsibilities that Bam has. I can't, it's, it's crazy. He's, it's like, I know he's not as much as Nikola Jokic, but it's on that level we talk about defense, guarding one through four, guarding one through five on the basketball court, you know, the handoffs, sending pin downs, all the different types of screens, also had to score at times. So people need to understand like, yo, Bam's role and what he does, it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of centers or, or just players in general in the NBA that can do the things that he does on the basketball floor. Last one for Rashad Phillips. Joker not winning the MVP season was a blessing in disguise. It took the pressure off him and the entire organization. The Nuggets become more team-focused while trying to live up to the MVP storyline. The same storyline cost the Sixers. A lot of the game is mental. Truth teller or not. I think that's true. And I think, it, it, I will say it helps Joker. It, it sounds weird, but I think it helps Jokic's case with the fact that they're not going to use the 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 championship thing to him because of the way Embiid keeps kind of falling out of the race in the playoff runs. Yeah. Like it's like if he can't get to a conference finals, and you see now Nicola's in a, in an NBA finals, and even if he falls short, it's like you can't use that against him when the guy is running yeah. bait in the MVP race is the guy that's getting it that never has been to a conference finals. So yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting because I I think finally now I think the as much as I talk about Miami and the national perspective, mm-hmm. it's just funny to still see the Denver the national perspective for Denver. It's like this is we shouldn't just be looking at box scores for this guy. Like this is a guy that is yeah. an elite player to watch. Like we need to be watching him more. And the fact, and even after they win a series and go on to the NBA Finals, the big topic is the LA Lakers still. So it's, yeah. it's about hoops. Like this is the the whole point. So, well, you know, the know. big time television companies and stuff of that nature, they're anything for clips, clicks. Right. So, you know, they got to talk about you know the Lakers, the Miami Heat, the well, Miami Heat is a little bit, but um, the New York Knicks. Things of that nature because, you know, it's going to generate buzz and stuff like that. They talk about Miami when they're doing well, but when they're doing bad, or it's quiet. Um, but it's interesting you talk about Nikola Jokic. I feel like with this run, like you said, it's kind of like I don't want to hear anything else when, it, when we talk about, like, you know, Anthony Davis, <laughs> um, no. Joe Embiid. I, I kind of want to even, – even I'll be honest, even Giannis Antetokounmpo for a certain degree because even though Giannis won the championship and things of that nature, when we talk about completeness – I understand that all three of those guys affect the game a different way because they all play defense way better than Nikola Jokic. But mm-hmm. one could say, like, would you rather have the more complete offensive player when you have a great team defense around you, uh, yeah. an offensive player that has no flaws? When we talk about one of the best playmakers, one of the best three-level scorers, one of the best, like, you know, screeners, one of the best guys that can dominate in the post, would you rather have a, a complete offensive player who is not really the best defender, or would you rather have a guy, those other guys that really can't do, you know, half of what he can do offensively? Yeah. I think the question has to be, like, we got to stop talking about, like, Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, you know, who's better when it comes to and, and Nicole Yokes. I think that's a wrap. And even Giannis Antetokounmpo, I love Giannis. I think Giannis is a top player in this game. Are the Jarman top three, of course, but like I think if Nicole Jokic wins this championship, it's uh-huh. going to be a conversation about that as well. Um, but final question, Brady: top three favorite Miami Heat players of all time. Final question. 
Ooh. So Dwayne Wade. No, you young. I know you're young. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But Dwayne Wade's still number one. That's the guy that got yeah, yeah, me yeah. into basketball. So he, he he's the pillar of Miami Heat. So he's gonna be number right. one. Honestly, number two is Jimmy Butler. And and he's kind of going up and down that that list in general on the all-time list. Uh mm-hmm. But personally, just for me being able to cover this team in general and just being around it, I just, as I mentioned before, like it, it's not only the on-court stuff where he goes absolutely nuclear, the fact that he, he's just the off-court stuff, like it just take a scroll through his social medias once in a while or go or just listen yeah, to yeah. stuff he does. It's like, he's just such a likable guy down here. Uh, so that, that would be number two. And man, number three, it's, it, it's tough. Because there's obviously the everybody's going to say the LeBron factor just because the excitement. Uh, then there's guys, but I just my personal, I honestly, it's your personal, your personal, you're not the bet, yeah, your personal. I think it's because it, it's still just because from covering this team specifically, I think it's Bam, honestly, okay. right now. The Bam is definitely three. I just think he's he gets talked about in such a you mentioned before all the things that he does, and it's he gets talked about in such an interesting light. The things he does on the defensive end is, is, is just things I just haven't seen. Like, it's just mm-hmm. things that you, you just don't notice. It's the fact that he doesn't have, like, elite size in terms of he's not just seven-footer out there blocking shots. He's 6'9", but he can do everything from a rim protector to a perimeter mm-hmm. defense to running an offense when you need him as a pillar. To, like you mentioned with the handoffs. with, with uh, He's not Jokic as a passer, but they'll use him as, like that. <laughs> they're yeah, not afraid yeah. to do it. Then they're using him yeah. as a screener. And then this regular season, we saw pre-All-Star break. Uh, before he was elected an all-star like he, he took a jump in terms of the the, the jumper like he consistently yeah. the efficiency be able to That's get to his spots and do all that stuff yep. so yep it, so he it, keeps, he'd be three yeah if he keeps developing that that's a, that's the next part a consistent mid-range shot then we're looking at potential of a guy that can possibly go on average you know 22 from that like 18 19 points a game for like that 22 to 25 range it kind of can be like you know potentially uh some a semi version of like I don't want to say Kevin Garnett, but it's kind of like that's, that's the one that like, gets thrown right? Yeah, that's the one that kind of gets thrown around. So I'm not mad at that. Uh, for me, I would say you know Dwayne Wade, of course, favorite player of all time, and then I would go with LeBron James just because of the points we yeah. talked about earlier in the podcast. Just about I think that was the best version of LeBron James I've ever seen in my life. And then I would say number three for me is Jimmy Butler. I know I didn't put Alonzo Mourning on the list, but like what Jimmy Butler has done for this city and kind of like. You know, it was people talk about like going and LeBron James replacing Kobe Bryant. When we talk about it's hard to go and and Uh replace Kobe with the Los Angeles Lakers. But you know what else is hard? It was hard for a player to come in and kind of like take on the mantle of the Miami Heat when Dwayne Wade left as well. And that's what kind of Jimmy Butler has done. So if he goes out and win a championship, I mean, it's just kind of like what what can you really say? It's like we talked about earlier in the podcast. Top 50 player of all time, first ballot Hall of Famer to me. So, um, but once again, we have Brady Hawk. Thank you. I really appreciate you for coming on. Um, your, your knowledge is, is phenomenal. You're only 19 years old, bro. I mean, keep doing amazing things, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Once again, this is Hoop Ties with Amai K. Smith. Make sure you go like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go watch on YouTube. We're gone, man. Peace.